you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Wow. I guess I'm fired up. I have a whole class full of students that are wanting to learn the Word of God in my class and new members, and some are just new to church. If you see new faces, it would be a good idea for you to say hello. Okay, You don't pop in and pop out like you own this. You got to be, uh, how many know we got to get other people in the kingdom of God? And especially in the church, if you're not the only one, this is not our church only. I said there's no walls around the airport. Come on now. It's not a takeover. We're giving the kingdom of God away. We're not holding people hostage. So tell somebody you love them. Just turn around right now. Did you do that earlier? I just want to make you do it again. Just turn around your neck all the way around. And if you do, we need to deliver you, okay? Because you're demon-possessed. No, I'm teasing. Just turn your head around and say hi and say hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good to see you, Max. I love you, buddy. You feel really lonely up there, I know, but uh, but my heart is up there with you. I'm going to keep my feet down here, though. It's too hot up there. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Feel like visiting? We're in spiritual warfare number three. Do I have power on this thing? Praise the Lord. The battle of the mind. Wow, I don't know how many times we're going to have to deal with the mind, but the battle is in the mind. The Bible said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That is a key. I mean, that is the key that, that we would uh, walk like, think like, be like Jesus. Amen. And to act like him, we have to think like him. Did you know that the way you think uh, determines the way you act? Did you know you become what you believe? If all your life you've been told you are no good for no low life, no good for nothing. I mean, no children have been told that. They grow up and that's what they become. They believe their press. They believe what people I'm telling you, Old Grove, I love you and you are God's anointed Pentecostal church. So let's act like it, right? Let's act like it. That's who we are. We might as well be that. But the greatest battle, uh, battles are fought in the mind. We're talking spiritual warfare. And um, that's that's where... That's where it all starts. Uh, if you put it like this, the, the mind is like the factory uh, that produces what the body performs. So if it starts in here, it ends up here. So, so you hear it. Your, your, your senses are important. If your senses are important, you hear it, right? And it goes into your ear, and, uh, and then you have a, a feeling about it, and then you express it. You have an emotion about it, and then you express it. It's, it's pretty awesome. That's why, that's why listening is so important. How many got your Bible and your notepad and you're ready to go? How many came and you don't care what I say? Don't raise your hand, whatever you do. So, so if that's true, that's uh, why our minds are being transformed by the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God that transforms our mind, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by uh, the renewing of your mind. So that you might be able to know, know, discern, determine what that good, acceptable, perfect will of God is, right? And so, and so it's important. Uh, uh, Romans eight, five, and six. I just want to read that as we get going. I know I got some other things. It's going to take us a little bit. I got forty-five slides. You know what, brother uh, Mark? I thought it works when me and you do it. See if it works when I do it by myself. Okay, I got to stop talking and showing some slides. But basically, Romans eight. Uh, and that uh, verses uh, five and six, if you want to turn there, uh, I don't have it up there, I don't think so. You just hang with me. For those who live according to the flesh, look at this, set their mind. It's a mindset. You know, 
Older people get set in their ways. You know why? Did y'all know why older people are set in their ways? Because they set their mind. Can't transform it. Can't change it. Come on, say amen or oh me. They set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So, so because the carnal mind is in enemy against God, it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. The carnal mind can understand the things of the spirit. Look at verse 8. So then, those who are of the flesh or in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. Can somebody shout? You're in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not Christ. That's why we got a lot of people sitting in church, folks. They're in church, but they're not in Christ. And they wonder why they can't do battle. They wonder why they can't uh, get out of habits and problems and break strongholds how many know you got to change your mind transform means to be changed it's a metamorphosis takes place supernaturally that that occurs in your thought life it's not it's not instant it can be instant but a lot of times it's not instant it's progressive when you first get saved how many know you had uh the lord had to do surgery on you take out the cussing box you didn't wake up and just speak king james after you got saved and everything was holy, it took a little bit. How many know still some of you still struggling? Oh, I think I got the right topic today, Sean. I think I'm only because I, I know nobody does surgery when under the knife. Nobody talks, right? Nobody talks under the surgery knife. But if you'll talk to me, I'll preach the truth. You got to get rid of some things and you have the power through the cross and the Holy Spirit to war against it. And the battle starts right here in the mind. So right thinking leads to right living. Wrong thinking leads to wrong living. So it has to be adjusted and it takes time. If you're a child of God and yet you find yourself in the hog pen of this world like the prodigal did. He was in the father's house at one time. The Bible says he came to his right mind. Started in the mind. He said, you know what? You know what? I don't think this is what I, I, I didn't sign up for this. I took my inheritance and I thought I was going to be on top of the world and I'm at the bottom of the world. And I think I better go home. At least at home. This is common sense. How many know the world could use a dose of common sense today? This is common sense. Even the workers under my dad in my father's house had it better off than I'm sitting here in a prison hole eating corn cobs that are already eaten. Junk slop from the pigs. Can I tell you, a good Jew doesn't want to be anywhere around a pig. And so know this, you cannot change your environment if you don't change your mind. The battle's in the mind. So let's get, let's get, let's get with it. It's hashtag the struggle is real. You, you young people want to hashtag something, you're all bored to death. You're trying to hashtag stuff all the time. Struggle this, right? The struggle is real. It's invisible. It's not imaginary. It's just invisible. And if you go to church and you think that you're the only one struggling, you're believing a lie. How many know we all have issues? It's real. As long as you're in the flesh, you're dealing with stuff. It's not imaginary. It's a real battle. There's a war going on in the heavenlies. And the enemy is after your soul. I said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. There's a tug of war going on over your spirit, over your soul. 
So what is spiritual warfare? It's, it's when a believer faces the ongoing battle against a spiritual enemy. It is a battle we're all in. However, when we're part of a covenant relationship with the Lord, come on, somebody, covered by the blood, we can be confident that God has fully equipped us to overcome these battles. When we don't understand warfare, it can cost, it can cost us a lot. We experience an attack, yet we have no idea how to use the weapons that we've been given. That's why the Lord put this on my heart. That's why we're in a series and we got to figure this out. The battlefield for spiritual warfare is primarily in your thought life. That's where it starts. Does anybody want to learn something about this? Raise your hand. All right, then you should have your pen and paper ready to go. There's a battle in the mind, the flesh and the spirit. They've been warring since the beginning. God and Satan. And can I tell you, Satan is already a defeated foe. How about that? So it's not like uh, we have to wonder who's going to win. The battle belongs to the Lord. But we have to get in here and, and give God opportunity to use the weapons. It's like God's going to win. He said, here you go, Ron. Here you go, Ron. Use this. If I don't take the weapon, if I don't dress for battle, if I don't prepare for battle, if I don't understand where he's coming from, how many know the Holy Spirit will tell you where it's coming from? It's called discernment. Does anybody ever heard about discernment? It's something that the Spirit of God can lead you into. If you're going this way, the Holy Spirit will say, whoa, back up, Jack. That's not Uncle Si that made that. The Lord said that years ago. Right? The Spirit and the flesh are battling. It's a war going on. So always remember these three things. God did not leave you as an orphan. Come on, somebody. He loves you. He's your father. You can call out to Abba Father. He'll be there. He's come to you, equipping you for battle. And you're more than an overcomer, right? And spiritual warfare is real. And God gave you the armor so you can successfully work through that. So the first area is the mind. Satan attacks our thinking. He attacks our worldview. He attacks our, our fatherhood of God view, our view of God, right? And there's a lot of people who may have gotten misconstrued in the idea of who God is. They don't know who God is because they didn't have a father who maybe gave them the understanding of a, of a godly father. So a bad father, you, you get a, a misconstrued about, uh, about God. A father in your life is a person that you trust. A mother in your life is a person you have confidence in. They're going to nurture you. are going to care for you, right? And if you don't have that, if you're broken, if you, how many know many of us come from broken situation? So dysfunction happens in the world. Guess what? When they come to church, we got to deal with it. So we got to teach. A lot of times in teaching, we got to unteach. We got to unteach. We got to tell them what the problem is before you can give them the answer. The problem is we don't have the right thinking. Our worldview is wrong. We have students coming to school. Professors are feeding them a bunch of lies. And so now they're confused. They don't know, well, well, that sounded real. That sounded like maybe that's an option. How many know there's only one option? His name is Jesus. Everything else is a lie. Amen. Everything is a copy. Everything else is a counterfeit. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But how does Satan attack our mind? With thoughts of doubt and fear. And how about that one? Offenses. Everybody today is offended. If you get today, if you get offended by me preaching the word, forgive me now. Okay, and then go to Lowe's and get a ladder and get over it. Everybody's offended by everything. I said, everybody, you can't say anything, Max, and everybody's offended. Oh, he said, he said, I mean, no, we need to get over ourselves. You're not that important. And yet you're the most important thing, okay? 
Somehow you have to have to deal with the balance of that dichotomy of how worthless you are and how much God loves you at the same time. Because if you don't believe God loves you, then you're going to succumb to the lies that Satan wants you to be destroyed and that you deserve to be destroyed. It's called low self-esteem. That's what it's called. Devalued. And Satan's coming to devalue you, oppress you, right? Manipulate you, trick you, lie, deceive. All of those things are happening. And insecurities, how about that? Did you know that there are even preachers with insecurities? I met a bunch of them. Say, Pastor, have you ever felt like hitting a preacher? I'm not going to answer that, but uh, I don't know why I asked that. So what happens over time is these thought patterns turn into strongholds. So, Pastor, what is a stronghold? A stronghold is an entrenched pattern of thought, an ideology. Have you ever heard of that word, an ideology? There's worldviews out there, and ideologies are out there, Mark, that are, are, are Marxism, Marxism, right? Ideologies, thoughts, anything that sets itself up against God needs to be torn down. That's a stronghold, right? It's arrogance. It's pride. It's new age. You're God. There is no God. You're God. I mean, no, that's a lie. We got to know what the truth is. So a stronghold is a value or behavior that is contrary to revealed biblical truth emanating from the human carnal nature and exploited by Satan himself. That's what a stronghold is. It comes, it comes from our fleshly nature. We have tendencies and weaknesses. We have the potential. Are y'all hearing the preacher? Are y'all hearing me today? Within you is uh, the express potential to do good and the potential to do bad. And so we need to be led by the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit have the mind of the Spirit, have a better chance of walking in the Spirit. If you're led and have the mind set on the flesh, you're going to follow through with fleshly desires, and that's going to be bad news. Three ways Satan attacks our thoughts. Number one is deception. Real quickly, it means to believe a lie. Romans 1, 1, they exchange the truth of God for a lie, and they worship the creature instead of the creator. They exchange truth. So, so all of us today have had enough gospel to know the truth. I said Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you have Jesus, you ought to be able to counterattack any lie. But if you don't know the lie, if you don't know the truth, the lie is going to be believable. You have nothing to compare it to. So you're not exchanging it. You're just embracing a lie. But if you know the truth, if you're going to walk in, in flesh, you're going to have to exchange that truth that you know to be true for a lie. How I many know Jesus spoke everything in existence? That's the truth. Does anybody believe God spoke everything into existence? That he said, let there be light and there was light. Anybody believe that? Then why would you believe anything else? See that? You have to exchange that truth to believe some other worldview or lie. Evolution. So 2 Corinthians eleven three. But I am afraid, Paul said, even as the serpent beguiled Eve, tricked, deceived Eve by his cunning ways. Your minds may be corrupted and led away from the simplicity of the pure devotion to Christ. Paul had this concern that the saints were so gullible that if somebody looked at them with a straight face and fluctuated their voice and maybe some theatrical gestures that they would believe. There's preachers out there that, that say absolutely nothing for 40 minutes. And they can get all demonstrative. They can get demonstrative like the best of us. Say, Moses went around with the children of Israel 40 years. 
Really? Next verse. And Moses went around Mount Sinai 40 years. Really? Why don't you say something, man? How many believe content is, is important in preaching? You got to get something. You don't go to church just to hear Moses went around the bush. Got to get something more than that. And yet, and yet they're mesmerized by the fluctuation of the voice and the sweating and the, and all that. How many know that's theatrics? I said, that's theatrics. I know I get a little bit excited, but it's not to impress you. I don't know if the Lord can even impress you. So he corrupted their minds and led them from the simplicity of Christ. Temptation is the second stage. At first, it looks pleasing to the eye. Remember? Remember they were hanging around the wrong tree? Adam and Eve? And Eve said, whoa, that looks good. It looks good. I mean, no, that's where it starts. The eye gate. That looks good. That's the temptation process, right? It looks good to the eye. Then he it gives easy access to it. And Satan's all the way saying, go ahead, go ahead. It is good. It is good. Try it. Everybody's doing it. Try it. You'll see great results. This will make you feel better. You'll get a lot of money. Whatever the motivation, how many know it's a lie? It's a trick. It's a setup. It's a snare. It's a snare. It's a trap. It's a trap. And like a mouse trap, we just follow the smell of the cheese, and it looks good. It smells good. And then we frequently visit it. Sure, they went back to the tree. Oh, it looks good. Well, I like to have that. And Satan says, you know what? Probably, you know, you could have it. Said, no, no, God said we can't have it. I'm sure they reasoned with the devil, but it's just about like reasoning with the Taliban. You can't reason with evil. Can't sit at the table of mediocrity and talk to a devil about your future. He's going to slam you down. Well, he cares. No, he don't care. I mean, Satan can care less about you. He's not happy until you're annihilated. Dead. And so, so you start frequently visiting and then it becomes a habit or an addiction. Can I tell you? That happens in the reverse as well. If that's for the flesh, how many know it happens in the spirit? You start praying every day, huh? Come on, Max. You pray every day for 30 days. See if you don't have some power. You get yourself in the closet and start praying. Read your Bible every day this year. See if you don't have the end of the year have some more power than you had. Start praying with authority. Start worshiping more. And start getting in the habit of prayer and praise and worship and reading the word, witnessing and being a godly person. I mean, no, you'll be a habit. You'll be a Christian. Add tithing in there. You'll really be a Christian. That's one really trips people up. But eight, I read Romans 8 in the beginning. If you have the mindset of the spirit, you'll walk in the spirit. I read it already. If you have the mindset of the flesh, if your mind is so attached to this world, You'll start acting like the world. The last, uh, I already read it. Living according to the flesh, set your minds on the things of the flesh, which gratify the body. But if those who are living according to the spirit, set your minds on the things of the spirit, his will and his purpose. That's what you want. So the mind of the flesh is death, but now and forever, because it pursues sin. But the mind of the spirit is life and peace, the spiritual well-being that comes from walking with God, both now and forever. And everybody shouted. So, Accusation is the third one. So 
Satan's known as our accuser of the brethren. It's one of his job descriptions. He goes before the throne day and night, day and night. He never relents. He never relinquishes his job description. He's always on duty, never on call. That's his number one goal, to accuse you to God. What you didn't do, what you did do. Always. He accuses you to God. He accuses you to others. Look what they did. They're no good. I told you they were no good. And then we jump in. Yeah, they are no good. Can I tell you, only perfection can demand perfection. Now, I got I to gotta come over here and say that. I said the only people can demand perfection are perfect people. And since we don't have any, it has to be God. And I'd rather fall to the mercy of God than to the judgment of man. God will be merciful to me. So we're not here to be accusing everybody. But you know who we do? We accuse ourselves. The worst deception is self-deception. The worst, the worst accusation is accusing yourself. You're no good. I'm no good. I'm no good. I'm no good. I'm never going to win. I'm never going to be good. I'm never going to get over this. I'm never going to get through this. I'm always going to be a loser. How many know you're not a loser? You're a winner. You're a transformer. Being transformed into a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. How many know that's what happened on the cross? He paid the provision for you to be a new creation. Is anybody getting any of this? I don't think we understand that, 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 that just as the kingdom of God exists in the earth, Satan's kingdom exists in the earth. I think we're oblivious to that a lot of times. We don't, we don't really understand there's a real, a real devil. And so <laughs> he's the ruler of his demonic kingdom, commander of the army of demonic beings over geographical, religious, and cultural areas, nations, cities, all the way down to individual people. Satan filled up the heart and mind of Judas. Satan fills up the heart of the Taliban. I don't think y'all hearing me. Some of you say, oh, he's judging the Taliban. What do you want me to do with him? Play tiddlywinks? They're evil. They do evil things. They're destroying God's people. Oh, so, so, so you can pat him on the back. Can I tell you that's the problem with the church world today? They're patting everybody on the back like they're all godly. They're not all in Christ. They might all be in church, but they're not all in Christ. Quit, quit treating evil people like they're born again. And if you say anything against it, there's a big judgment toward the leader. That's why we can't say anything. So insensitive. They're sensitive. Can't say anything. Can't preach the truth. Call it PC, politically correct. Well, I call it J-E-S-U-S. That's what I call it. Preach the truth. Don't let the Satan accuse you and don't be an accuser. Look at this. If you don't think this is his job description, Revelation 12 and 10, then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom, dominion, reign of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our believing brothers and sisters has been thrown down at last. He who accuses them and keeps bringing charges of sinful behavior against them before our God day and night. I mean, oh, in the in the eschaton at the end, I mean, the Lord's gonna gonna take care of all of it. But right now, this is what's happening in the heavenlies, day and night. The second thing is, after the mind of the the, the area that Satan attacks the mind, then the second area is he attacks the flesh. The flesh. Say that's the same thing. Well, let me just dig a little deeper. Anybody want to go a little deeper? Just so you get get excited. I only got fifteen more minutes. 
Romans 7, remember Paul talks about this war within his members, right? He said, the things I want to do, I just don't do. The things I hate, I end up doing. Anybody ever go there? We all do because we're born with a sinful nature. We all do. And then we're born again. The Spirit of God res- uh, resides in us, and there's a tug of war. This is part of us that is not submitted to Christ, which means we, if we submerge and submit I said, if we get under Christ and controlled by Christ, by the Spirit, we don't have to give in to the lust of the flesh. Are y'all seeing that? So I find it to be the law of my inner self. Paul said that evil is present within me. The one who, the one who wants to do good. I, that's, that's Paul. He said, I want to do good. For I joyfully delight in the law of God in my inner self with my new nature. But I see a different law and rule of action in the members of my body in its appetites and desires, waging war. Actually, it says waging war against the law of my mind, of my mind. See that? And subduing me and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is within my members. POWs of our own body, mind. See that? This is our sinful nature inherited from the fall of Adam. By one man, sin entered to the world. And by one man, Christ I mean, oh, he, t- he took care of sin. Is anybody here glad Jesus paid the penalty for sin through his blood on the cross? Come on, that's worth shouting about. He is our victory. He annihilated sin. He went down to hell, kicked the teeth out of the devil, took the keys, came back and said, you can have the keys. Now you can lead and walk in the power of the Spirit. In my name, cast out devils. In my name, heal the sick. In my name, call those things that are not as though they are. We have power. I said, there's power in the name of Jesus. Does anybody believe that? So therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, death through sin, so death spread through all people, nobody being able to stop it or escape its power because they all sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So how did Jesus overcome? I love this, John 14, 30. I will not speak, Jesus said, with you much longer. For the ruler of this world, Satan, Akron is another name, for the leader, I said there's a very highly organized army of evil. The leader, Satan himself, is coming. And he has, look what Jesus said, he has no claim on me, no power over me, nor anything he can use against me. Jesus is talking in his humanity, not in his divinity. He was a man of like passions like us, yet he was without sin. But he trusted in the Holy Spirit. I said, you can trust the Holy Ghost to help you walk in precious, pure life of Christ. You can walk in the Spirit. How many know you can overcome? You can walk in the will of God. You can obey the word of God. I said, there is a remnant who refuses to bow to the knee to Baal. Or any other God. There's only one God. Come on, help me. Help me out here, y'all. He has no claim on me. Therefore, if he has no claim on Christ, he has no claim on you. So it's the handle principle. I found this. I looked all over the place for a handle. Um, to give you the handle principle, uh, <laughs> uh, I found this in the nursery. It's, uh, it's wise to use this. Anyway, thanks for the courtesy laugh. So basically, it has a handle, and uh, and I'm going to work real hard to get it off. I got it. Take the handle off. Basically, the handle principle. 
means that Satan gets a hold of handles that we have attached to us. And he just moves us around, manipulates us, and moves us with that handle. But you, but how many know through Jesus Christ we have the power to remove the handle? When you remove the handle, Satan has nothing to grab a hold of. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is a cup with a handle. And that handle attaches itself to our body, to our mind. And if you remove the handle, this is a BGMC cup, David, without a handle. Come on, BGMC. This is a BGMC cup with a handle. Get rid of the handle. Keep the BGMC cup. Commercial for BGMC real quick. So the acts of our sinful nature, moral, look at this, spiritual, social sins are like a handle of a cup. They attach themselves. I said your appetites, your fleshly appetites, allow things to attach themselves to you. Strongholds, habits, addictions, they become a handle for Satan to handle you. Are you hearing me? He uses the handles to manipulate your weaknesses. He takes advantage of you. That's how he does it. So the handle principle is break the handle. You have the power in Jesus' name. Break off the handle. Don't let him get a handle on you. The Bible says don't even get the devil give a foothold. Don't give him a crack in the door. Oh, pastor, you're old-fashioned. How many know there's a lot of people living close to the world as they can, allowing the devil to get all kind of handles all over them? Right? When they ought to be staying far away from the enemy and the world and the flesh and the devil as they could. Handles can get on you right quick. I said you can smell like a hog real quick. Break off the handles. Come on, somebody. Never let the enemy get a handle on you. It's the handle principle. If you don't remember nothing else, just remember, Satan has a harder time getting a hold of you if you don't give him opportunity with handles. It's hard enough fighting the enemy. Right? much less giving them opportunity to fight you. All right? So so watch that. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Can somebody say amen to that? Matthew 15, 19, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts and plans, murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, slanders, verbal abuse, irreverent speech, blasphemy. I had to stop. I had to stop. There's more. But wait. The devil will take you further down and you want to go. Hello, you give in to the enemy. I mean, oh, he, uh, he will get into your heart. Satan got into the heart of Judas. Overcame him. You know how you get overcome with the Holy Spirit's control? The same is true with the opposite. It just deter- it's just determined by who you're going to submit to. You submit to your mind, to the flesh, and to the world, it'll overtake you. Submit your mind to the Spirit and the Word, it will overtake you. So whose report will you believe? Whose side are you on? Who's going to be your God? How many know if God is your God, the devil is not? It's just that simple, my friends. I got this Velcro here. It's another principle, the Velcro principle. I'm getting to it. I don't know if I have it up here. Jeremiah said this, the heart is deceitful above all things. It's extremely sick. Who can understand it? Who can fully know its secret and its motive? Remember in the Old Testament, the heart of man was so evil and wicked, God destroyed the whole earth except for eight people, made Noah build an ark. Y'all remember the story? It's not a fairy tale. Created me a clean heart, O God. Come on now. Renew a right, steadfast spirit within me. That's the opposite. So 
the world. It tries to conform us to its pattern and culture. That's where I get this Velcro principle. It tries to conform us to its pattern and culture, like Velcro, okay? For Velcro to work, you need two pieces. This piece alone is not going to work. It has to be attached to another piece. Is anybody hearing me? See that? Listen to this. See that? And if you don't attach yourself to the world, you're not going to have Velcro, but you've got to stay away from the world. You won't attach yourself to the world. Are you hearing that? It takes two. It really takes two. I don't know if I wrote down up uh, that up here, but the world is, is a trick. It's a trick. Therefore, I urge you. I read it earlier. I urge you, brothers and sisters. I beg you by the mercies of God, present your bodies, dedicate all of yourself, set yourself apart as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, right? Well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intellectual, intelligent act of worship. Common sense. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, the evil, but be transformed by the progressively changed. I like that. I told you earlier it was progressive. Progressively changed as you mature spiritually. Nobody expects new babes to know all of this. But right here you're learning it. And all of you are writing it down, I can tell. Unless you have photographic memories. Transform progressively. Change as you're spiritually maturing by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what is the will of God, right? That which is good, acceptable, and perfect, his plan, his purpose for your life. Hear these words. Apply your mind to my knowledge. Apply your mind to my knowledge. What he's saying, God is saying, apply your mind to my word. David said in Psalm 119, 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So it's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. Are you hearing me? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. Your talk, your giving, your generosity. It's all connected to the heart. All of the issues you have in your life are connected to the heart. So that Velcro principle. The enemy uses the world to try to influence us. We need to live free from the hold of temptation. Then it doesn't affect us. If you'll stay away from the companion, the other part of that, then you won't have to worry about it. Are you hearing me? First John 2, you know what it says. Do not love the world of sin that opposes God and his precepts, teachings, nor the things that are in the world. If anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Are you all seeing this? For all that is in the world, the lust and sensual craving of flesh, the lust and longing of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, pretentious confidence in one's resources or in the stability of earthly things, smitten by intellectual people who are dumb as rocks. Just because you have a doctorate degree don't make you smart. These do not come from the Father but are from the world. The world is passing away with its lust thereof, shameful pursuits and ungodly longings. But the one who does the will of God and carries out his purpose, you live forever. Can I tell you, you got to live two-dimensional. There's the earth we live in and there's heaven. You live down here, you're going to be consumed by the world. You grow too attached to this earth. How many know I'm just passing through? Is any other pilgrims here passing through? How many is looking for a city whose builder and maker is God? How many is just a stranger in a strange land getting ready to go to another place? Ah, listen, there's nothing here holding me 
I said, nothing here moves me. I'm not attracted, not attached, don't need anything this world has to offer. So the lust of the flesh originates from desires within. James said, sin happens when you are drawn away by your own lust. It's your own lust. It's desire that you have within. It's a built-in desire. We have to, I mean, no, we have to, we have to kill the flesh. We have to destroy the works of the flesh. You can read Galatians 5, you understand. There's the, there's the, the gifts of the spirit and then the, 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 the works of the flesh. You understand there are, there are things going on that on both sides of that. The lust of the eyes is, is that we're captivated by outward show without looking into real value or motive. Just because it looks good doesn't mean it's good. And the older I get, the longer I serve the Lord, Brother Phil, I sometimes think that something's not God and it's God. And sometimes I think something's God and it's not God. It's hard to tell. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Satan disguises and makes it look like an angel of light. It makes it look good, but it's not good. And that's how ideologies come. That's how false teaching comes. That's how false doctrine comes. All false teachings ride in on the back of a little bit of truth. How do you think the mouse is attracted to the cheese in the first place? Got a little poison in the poison in the mouse trap, right? But they got a little weed or something in there. The mouse is not that dumb. But he's got a mouse brain. Little old tiny thing. It's smaller than a bird brain. Some of you have one. You understand. It's the lust of the eyes. And then the pride of life. Behavior of the self-sufficient person. I got this. Take heed when you stand, lest you too fall. And no one is exempt from temptation. Nobody is exempt from Satan accusing them before God. Not even Job, a righteous man. Nobody's beyond the flesh taking over, giving in, looking at something and being lustful after it. Watch that because it's serious. The Velcro. Temptation from without has no power until there's a corresponding desire within. Temptation from without has no power. It's kind of like if you ate, Phil, if you ate and you ate uh, dinner already, uh, but Danielle wanted to go to, to the Golden Corral. And you said, but honey, I'll go with you, but uh, I'm not much hungry, right? And there's a whole buffet. Phil's walking by the buffet, and Danielle's putting salad, fruit. Phil looking at that steak. <laughs> but, but something's going on, Phil. You're full, and you're not hungry. Let's back it up. If Phil was hungry, they wouldn't be able to make the steaks fast enough for Phil. You're slapping that on the plate, right? So your desires, listen, listen, you have to have, you have to have both of these. Desires within, they have to work with the temptation without. I don't need the buffet. I'm full. How many know if you get full of Jesus, you won't be attracted by the things of the world? The love of the Father is in you. The love of the world is not. I said, if you're reading your word, you're not going to be fancied by all this new, new age teaching. You ought to be able to discern what the truth of the word of God is. Even if somebody straight face tells you a lie and we just, oh, that's so awesome. I never heard it that way. It's because it's not true. So it's important that we, that we stay straight. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. How many know God doesn't tempt anyone? Right? It doesn't come from God, but from our own flaws, right? Flawed nature. 
And God cannot be tempted by what is evil. And he himself tempts no one. But each one is tempted how? When they are dragged away, drawn away, enticed, baited to commit sin by their own worldly desire, lust, and passion. Then when the illicit desire has conceived, a seed is planted. It gives birth to sin. And when sin has run its course, it gives birth to death. I want you to just look at that progression for just a bit. I'm almost here. I'm almost done. There is a progression to falling away from God. You see that? The same progression if you're going to have faith. Pastor preaches a word. You take notes. You ask the Holy Spirit. Your seed is planted. Now you're growing. You're moving forward. You're not, you're not getting away from sin. Or you can go the other way and go towards sin. You see that? When Christy was a little girl, said, Daddy, if you can backslide, can't you upslide? I said, yes, you can, baby. Yes, you can. <laughs> I mean, if you upslide, that means you're going toward God. If you backslide, you're going toward Satan. Seven years old, she already knew it. Final area of attack is the church. How many know the devil wants to annihilate the church? I got to tell you, folks, the church is the only thing saving this world right now. You're the only thing holding back the the onslaught, the 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 wave, the 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 tsunami of evil that's coming to this world. You're seeing little little tidbits of pockets of evil. You're seeing some things happening in our last day. Let's just name just a couple. I named them last week in the beginning. I'll name them at the end. Jesus said, look at and see these signs. Pestilences. Do you see anything like that? Diseases, viruses, worldwide. Really? Not in the Ozarks. It's worldwide. It's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, earthquakes in diverse places. Last week in Haiti. Natural disasters, just a little while in the south, a couple of hours, in diverse places everywhere, right? Offenses, the whole world's offended. And just look on Facebook if you don't believe me. They're fighting on Facebook like, and they don't even know each other. Can you imagine? They'd claw each other's eyes out if they knew each other. We got Christian people. Defending the devil himself and beliefs that they know are not true, but they don't want to offend anybody. Well, I'm sorry, the cross of Jesus Christ offends. I mean, the word of God is a rock that'll fall on you. You either submit to it or you're going to get killed by it. That's the word of the living God, Pastor. Keep on preaching, brother. So the enemy wants to make the church powerless by dividing relationships. He wants to, his last day's effort is to divide and conquer. If I can divide the church, I can get the church. A kingdom divided against itself is defeated. Satan can't cast out Satan. He's got his kingdom. He's got his, his authorities. He's got his, uh, his uh, arch, uh, you know, leaders, right? Archangels, his arch demons. Let's just give you a pictorial here. You know, you got God the Father on the throne. You got the angelic host. You got the archangels, Michael, Gabriel. You know that? Authority, spiritual authority in high places. You got Satan, who's the leader of the evil world. You got arch enemies and arch leaders. And it goes, trickles down, down the ladder. 
They can take hold of a whole army. They can take hold of a whole culture. A whole nation can give way. Now, you remember about Haiti. I've flown over Haiti, and I've flown over Dominican Republic. Haiti, the nation Haiti, sold their soul to Satan and voodoo. This is not a trick. This is the truth. Dominican Republic didn't do that. You fly overhead in the airplane, plush and green and blessed. Fly over a little bit, get to the next island, brown and dirt and cursed. I mean, whoever's with the Lord is going to win. See, Pastor, what, what do we do? We win Haiti. How I many know oh, God can transform Haiti? But if, if evil is in the leadership and corruption is in the leadership, how I many know oh, it's going to affect the nation? That's why we have schools in Haiti. That's why we feed people in Haiti. That's why we win kids in Haiti. That's why we plant churches in Haiti. That's why we have missions in Haiti. So we can transform, so we can reverse the curse and make them a nation that honors the Lord. Guess where America's headed? The reverse of that. The reverse of that. So do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but seek to please him by whom you were sealed and marked, branded as God's own. Listen, there'll be a mark for God's people. There'll be a mark for Satan's people. Closer than you can imagine. For the day of redemption, the final deliverance from the consequences of sin. It's coming. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, perpetual animosity. I mean, no, that's already here. Perpetual animosity. Resentment, strife, fault-finding, slander, murder, all of that be put away from you along with every kind of malice or spitefulness or verbal abuse. Be kind and helpful to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another readily and freely just as God in Christ forgave you. Next week, we're going to talk about how to deal with offenses. I think offenses is where we are today. I don't want to offend my friend who may be caught up in a uh, sexual identity struggle. Can I tell you it's more than a sexual identity struggle? It's flesh. It's the spirit and the flesh are warring in their body. And I bet you where it's really at is in their mind. If you think you're a girl, then you want to act like a girl if you're a boy. Now, if you're a boy, you want to act like a girl. And and uh, our leadership just this past week signed into schools in New York that, that we should teach our kindergartners and our first graders transgender. No, no, no. What we need to be changing and teaching is transformation, not transgender. There's only two genders, male, female. That's it. I don't have to show you. I bring a dog up here, show you a dog cat, right? They all have one of each. Y'all going to make me bring a bull in here and a cow in here? Really? Really? Do you need to illustrate a sermon that much? I mean, we need a dose of Holy Ghost common sense in the world today. So these are the areas of spiritual warfare. I'm done. Pastor, y'all come back with your team. Is anybody gaining anything from teaching? Are you gaining something from teaching that, you know, this can be preachy. I know it takes a little longer, but uh, I, I'm actually done sooner. So I'm blown away. How many really like teaching now? Yeah, you get out of here sooner. You get to go to Golden Growl. Listen, we're winding this thing down. How many believe 
and sense that we're winding this thing down. It's winding down. You don't have to be a rocket scientist or a theologian to look at the signs of the time. But you know what pastors decided to do? I'm not even listening. I'm not even looking for the signs of the time. I'm listening for the sound of the trumpet. That's how close we are. Would you stand? Come on, would you stand and give God a happy praise? Come on, somebody ought to give God a praise. He's on his way back to get his church. Say, Pastor, there's a lot of there's a lot of business to take care of today. Yeah, yeah, there is. The battle's in the mind. You got to get rid of some handles. You got to tear that Velcro apart, throw that other piece away so don't, you don't get entangled with the things of the world, right? You got to get as far away from sin as you possibly can. You got, I don't care what other churches are doing. How many know we need to stay pure before the Lord? We need to keep preaching righteousness. We need to keep on keeping on. We need to have a develop a mindset of victory. We need to be on our guard. We need to be alert, attentive, observant, watchful, wide awake. Not stupefied. We need to be full of the Holy Ghost. We need to stand firm in the Lord, the power of His might. So today, let's be honest with God. You'll get more with honesty and true repentance than you will with anything else. I know you're all born again. If you're not, I mean, it's a good day to give your heart to Jesus. If you're watching me online and you're not born again, this is a good day to give your heart to Jesus. We'll baptize you just like we baptized Sean. Congratulations again, Sean.